0: Welcome. This is Josh Rees with Mile High Church in Lakewood, Colorado. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. For more information about our church, please visit our website, milehighchurch.org. Beautiful message, and I'm so grateful that we are hon- honoring Dr. King today, and I know many will tomorrow. And we are continuing to honor some of our traditions here at Mile High Church. This is our third week of our Back to Basics uh, series. And that series is a series where we join with other centers all over the world, other centers for spiritual living, to go back to the basic te- basics of our teachings, the basic principles of science of mind, religious science, what we teach here, and we explore those basic ideas together to continue to deepen in our journey. And then last week, it was great that Josh introduced our initiative for this year as a community about health and wellness, and how we are all going to be working together And we're talking about health and wellness in a very broad scope, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual health and wellness for this whole year, and it's going to weave itself through the life of our community. My message today has to do with uh, having a spiritual checkup. And when I think about this concept, and I think about the initiative, I think about, uh, I don't know if anyone has uh, revealed this to you or not. but every day for the rest of your life that you're alive, you're gonna probably need food and water to survive. I I just wanna be sure that everyone's aware of that. Like uh, our physical bodies can't really survive if we don't eat food and, and drink water. And there's never gonna come a time when you say, well, I am so physically perfect, I no longer need food and water, right? Did you know that? I hope you know that. I hope I'm not the first one to reveal that truth. And so we all uh, know that we have these body temples that we move around in this life in these body temples and that we've got to care for them. We do have to feed them with energy in the form of food and water and it helps if we move them. And some of us uh, uh, participate in the medical world and allopathic medicine. Some of us do more natural medicine. Some of us a combination. Some of us see our chiropractors, our our, uh, energy medicine workers, our massage therapists. Some of us eat certain things to stay healthy and well. Some of us move and do certain exercise to stay healthy and well. We know that we have to maintain our our physical body in order for it to be strong and to carry us through this life. And that we'll probably have to do that for the rest of our lives to some degree, to stay healthy and well. And we'll maybe have to have uh, support and intervention. We may have to see somebody to help us with that knee that bothers us or that backache or those headaches or whatever. We, We accept that. Today in my invitation into a spiritual checkup, I'm inviting us to consider the same thing about our spiritual life because what I find in our human heart is that there's sometimes this secret part of us that thinks there's gonna come this moment where all my personal growth will be done. I'll be, I'll be perfect. I'll be enlightened. I'll no longer have any energy about my past I won't have to do any of this stuff anymore and we kind of yearn for it, we kind of wait for it and we keep thinking that if I just take another class or do another workshop or read another book, I'll have it all set for the rest of my life, I'm done. And just like I revealed a moment ago about the body I'm here to tell you and hopefully I'm not the first one, that's not how it works. That's just not how it works. There's no human alive, never has been, in my opinion, never will be, who comes here and gets done with growing. Now, some people embrace it fully. They go to church, they take classes and workshops, they, they embrace it. And others resist it and think it's a, a, you know, a, a scam or a conspiracy to take people's money or to make people feel broken or whatever. But everybody has to grow and evolve from the inside out. Everybody, there's not a single human alive. We have this kind of urban legend, this myth, I talked about it Wednesday night a little bit about, we think there's some perfect people out there who've, who've conquered it all, that they, that they live some perfect life where everything is perfect and they're perfect and they never have to grow and they never, we think they're out there. We've never met a single one of them, but we think they exist somewhere. But I have learned in my years of working with people and in my years of being human, we will continue to grow and evolve and deepen and expand and become enlightened and deal with the past, deal with the people we encounter, the things that occur in our life every day that we're here just as assuredly as we will have to feed ourselves and have water to survive. And those of us who accept this about life and say to ourselves, okay, if this is what's true, I'm all in. I'm going to do that stuff, that personal growth stuff, consciously and conscientiously. I'm going to surrender to it. And so here at Mile High Church, we have a whole bunch of doorways through which people can walk to do that work consciously and conscientiously. Coming to church is one of them. Coming to services its one of those doors. There are also all sorts of other things. Workshops and classes for people who want to heal their bodies, who are going through divorce, who are uh, wanting to improve their relationships, their finances, who are wanting to improve uh, their, their sense of being a, a Global citizen on the planet who want to who dedicate themselves to making this a better world and, a, and the earth a better earth and ecological concerns and and all sorts of ways that we provide for people to come into the life of the community and walk together in community because that's the other thing. I believe that growth, that, that true growth that many of us yearn for, the, the breakthroughs and the insights, uh, most often occur in community. Dr. Raz and Reverend Carroll, who specialize in addiction, talk all the time about how sobriety occurs in community. And I believe also that our most profound prof- profound growth and expansion and deepening occurs in community. That no one can do this for you or for me, and we can't do it alone. We can't do the kind of depth work alone because we need the mirror of each other to do that work. And so just like when we care for our physical bodies, we get a checkup, we, we pay attention to what's going on, we maybe talk to our medical provider about anything happening in our body, today is a chance for a spiritual checkup. And when we go to the physical doctor, there are certain things that happen there when we get a checkup, and I want to uh, use them as metaphor for our spiritual checkup. And the best news of all, you don't have to put on that horrible gown that ties in order for this to happen today. Isn't that wonderful? So when we go to the doctor, one of the reasons that I use the title of uh, getting a spiritual checkup, stick out your tongue and say, ah, is because that's something that happens when we get a checkup. And there are some other things that occur. They usually start right with checking our body weight, checking our blood pressure and listening to our heart. There may be a whole bunch of other things they do, but those are some of the key, basic, foundational factors of checking into health. And so those are the ones that we're going to use today for our spiritual checkup. We're going to start with weight. And while we're not going to weigh each other, we're going to talk about the weight of the world, the heaviness of the world. I notice that those of us who care So much about the state of the world, the state of our loved ones, the state of life itself and what's happening and how it's evolving, sometimes have a tendency to feel the weight of the world upon our souls. We can get into pockets in our own journey where things happen through illness or transition or concern about the state of other people where life just feels kind of heavy, where our soul, our spirit, our energy can just feel weighted down. And we don't know how to ease that weightedness and how to to let it all go. And it can be very challenging because we can feel in that weightedness discouragement and, and frustration. We can feel helpless can feel we don't know what to do or how to act or how to lift ourselves back into that lightness. And so if we ever feel that, there are some things that we can do that we can allow ourselves to experience that can support us in the journey. And one of the great challenges of this teaching that I think people misunderstand who are within the teaching and some people criticize us about who are outside of the teaching is that people will say... um, Well, that church is the happy, happy joy church, right? Is the positive church. And a belief might persist uh, from our critics or from inside right here in our own midst that if we have that heaviness, well, we should just think positive thoughts. You should just think a happy thought. Get, oh, that person died? Oh, that's too bad. Well, think a happy thought and you'll be happy, right? And there's this... um, urgency sometimes in human interaction where we want to help each other feel better. We're uncomfortable in the space of each other's heaviness. We're uncomfortable in the space of other people's pain and suffering. We're uncomfortable even in our own skin sometimes when we're in pain and suffering. And I have heard tale of people who won't come to church because they're afraid to come here either because uh, they're kind of like people who get invited out to dinner and they're feeling kind of heavy and they say, oh, I don't want to go to dinner. I don't want to mess it all up for everybody else. I'm not going to go to church because everybody there is so positive and happy and I'm not feeling the greatest and I just don't want to bring everybody down. And, and people who feel sick or have something go on who feel ashamed to come here because they, they persist in believing in the urban legend that we're all a bunch of perfect people who are always happy and joyful and everything's going our way. Here's the truth. The truth is right here, right now in this room. Someone cried themselves to sleep last night here's the truth. Right here, right now, in this room, someone's heart is broken to pieces over a loss or a betrayal or an experience that they can't understand. And what happens when we come together is that we can stand together in that heaviness. And yes, we do have principles and ideas and and abilities to help people think new thoughts. But we also have Within this teaching and understanding that this is not a teaching of denial. This is not a teaching where we want to push away your pain as quickly as possible. And we have to be mindful as a community not to do that to each other. To stand here in church or in a class or in a group and be able to stand with someone who's in the heaviness of their grief or their pain or their loss and be with them and not try to happy think them out of it but rather to stand with them. And there's some things that we can do in our human interactions around this one that can ease the weight, weightiness of it. Back in, I was working here on staff from 1985 to 1991. And during that time, the lead minister was the late, great Dr. Fred Vogt. And Dr. Fred and I used to talk a lot about a lot of different things, but he and I used to have this theory. And we, we would talk a lot about how how powerful confession is. How powerful it is to talk about the things that are weighing us down. And he and I used to imagine a, uh, uh, an anonymous drive-through confessional in the parking lot out here. <laughs> Because we felt like if people could just come in their car, maintain their safety, drive through and just tell someone, I'm so regretting that mistake I made yesterday, or I really did the wrong thing, or I'm so sad that I've lost this friend in my life, I'm, whatever it might be that just saying it out loud could be helpful and we imagined that it would have to be anonymous because of what i just said how uncomfortable sometimes people are with each other's pain and so one secret to deal with this, the weightiness of this and indeed i'm bringing today not only these issues and checking them and inviting them to check them check them for ourselves but i'm bringing prescriptions for mitigating these experiences and one thing we could start to do that's just a little communication tool as human beings, is to be with each other. And if my friend Jeanette comes to me and brings to me something she's concerned about, she's upset about, I can look her in the eye and love her and say, Jeanette, how could I best support you? Do you need me just to listen to you and to listen how hard it is? Or would you like me to help you come to some solutions about it? That little two sentences right there saves marriages. (laughs) It will save your relationship with your kids. It will save your relationship with your friends. Because many times what happens when we bring our weightiness forward and the prescription today is to confess it, to be willing to tell somebody, to talk about that. I'm so concerned about the state of the world right now and what's gonna happen. I'm so concerned about this issue. I'm so concerned about the ecology of our planet. To be able to have people that we can talk to about it and be heard and be seen and be acknowledged with, and also eventually who can help us move to what's mine to do about this issue. Because what I will acknowledge is if we've had some heavy-weighted issue in our hearts for 15 years or five years that we haven't ever spoken of and we've never went and got support. It's like having a, a tumor in our side that we never talk to anyone about. It's only going to grow and fester and get worse. We have to be willing to find ways to speak about the weightiness of the things that bother us, the things that we're concerned about, the things that we are upset about and be heard and be seen, and to allow ourselves to speak out loud is powerful. And we have to also be willing to be assertive. If Jeanette and I are going to talk to each other, I I know this for sure, that I can go to Jeanette and say, Jeanette, I really want to talk to you about this thing that's bothering me. And what I really need from you right now is just, can you listen to me? Can you just help me feel heard? And I know her. She can do that. Of course she can do that. And so we can make these requests of each other because we begin to understand that part of how I lift myself out of that heaviness is I speak. And that's why we have all these doorways into our church and all centers and communities do. That's why people go to therapists and counselors and coaches and practitioner prayer partners and have prayer partners because we know that one of the most valuable things we can do to heal ourselves and our consciousness is to hear ourselves say things out loud, to process those things, and to begin to move forward and begin to use our words to bring ourselves into actions that can uplift us. And there are ways that we can also lighten our load. And this last year is I've had the worst grief I've ever had. There have been times when I've said to myself, I just need a little bit of of lightheartedness today. And so I'll watch some funny movie or I'll watch cat videos, or goat videos, or dog videos, or baby videos. I mean, come on, cats and babies, and oh my gosh, that just gives me a little bit of lightheartedness. And that little bit of lightheartedness gives me encouragement and energy to face sadness and face frustration and really begin to, to move forward. I like to write things down. I like to journal. I like to get that stuff out of me and not have it hang on so that heaviness can be released and let go of if we're willing to talk, if we're willing to lead ourselves into greater lightheartedness. The next one is the blood pressure. The spiritual blood pressure that I want to talk about today has to do with when that heaviness gets too burdensome, what it then becomes and transforms into if we don't deal with it is uh, constant anxiety, worry, uh, a uh, a repetitive thought pattern of worst case scenario, which is also worriness. It becomes uh, going to the to negative ideas and possibilities, projecting horrible ideas into the future, not being able to have a positive thought or think a positive thought. In the physical world, I, I checked this out because Reverend Millie's here today and she's a nurse and I wanted to be sure I had blood pressure right. You know, blood pressure means the force of your blood pushing against the walls of your blood vessels. If your blood pressure is high, it means your heart is working too hard and the force of the blood flowing through your vessels is too high. This way of being is sometimes habitual for us. We are in constant worry and anxiety for the future. We can become habitually high blood pressure from a spiritual standpoint. Not finding peace and ease and grace with how we see ourselves or see the world. And this can become quite a challenge because then we're creating from this place of anxiety and frustration. And part of what this is about is getting ourselves into the now moment. Anxiety and worry is projecting ourselves forward into a possibility that isn't even true. A Dutch author Corey Ten Boom says, "Worrying does not empty tomorrow of its troubles; it empties today of its strength." Worry and anxiety, when we are the most powerful, the strongest, the most capable, the most able to meet the challenges of our life. It's in the now moment. It's not in the worry moment. It's not in the anxiety moment. It's not in the projecting into the future to the worst case scenario moment. That is not where our strength is. And so it takes some energy to bring ourselves back. There's this story that I use a lot in my life as a a reminder. Years ago, the uh, late great actor Paul Newman... We have a picture of Paul here. I'm sure many of you remember Paul Newman, dreamy guy that he was. Uh, he and his beautiful, wonderful, dreamy wife, Joanne Woodward, uh, reportedly uh, went to this small town in Connecticut pretty frequently. I think they had a home there. And they used to, uh, it was kind of an urban legend, like they would go to different restaurants and different uh, places in the town, and so people in the town were always kind of on the lookout, especially for Paul. And there was a Reader's Digest story years ago about a woman who uh, was in a hurry, and she decided to get an ice cream cone, and she wandered into the ice cream store, went right up to the counter, ordered her ice cream, and while the person behind the counter was making it, she looked around, and over in the corner, there's Paul Newman sitting there. And she just became what my mother calls just totally Twitterpated, just... (laughs) completely like shaking in her boots. Partly due to excitement and partly due to anxiety. She was completely anxiety ridden about there's this dreamy movie star in the corner of my ice cream store. And she said she kept kind of nervously looking over at him and she didn't, she didn't know what to do and she, she paid for her ice cream and her hands were shaking and he just kind of kept, he was over there eating his ice cream just watching this all happen and finally she just couldn't take it anymore and she, she kind of smiled at him and she left and she went out to her car and she got in her car. And she sat down and said, oh gosh. And then she realized, I don't have my ice cream cone in my hand. (laughs) And so she thought, she said, she thought about just driving away. Just forget all about it. But she thought, nope, I paid for the cone. I'm going to go back and get it. So she went back into the ice cream shop and she smiled at Paul Newman. And she looked and the the clerk was doing something else. And the ice cream cone had been set in that little thing when she was paying for it. And it wasn't there. And Paul Newman says, You put it in your purse. (laughs) <laughs> oh. And I often think about that story when I'm filled with anxiety about something. Michelle, you're going to put it in your purse. You're going to put it in your purse. And, and for me, that means I'm going to do something really stupid. I'm going to stub my toe. I'm going to trip and fall. I'm going to say something I regret. I'm going to stumble over my words. I'm going to be awkward. I, because anxiety... Causes me to feel that way, my pressure goes up, and I'm. (gasps) And so, what I've learned about anxiety a couple things. The prescription for that is number one, I've learned to meditate, I've learned to relax, I've learned to be still on days when I need it and days when I don't. Because what I've learned about that is when I get anxious, my whole neurological system gets all excited, my thoughts get all excited. I get all upset and all caught up. And if I can take a deep breath and relax my neurology, I know that the chemistry that I'm launching into my body with my anxiety can be shifted. And that once — that now that I have developed that habit of meditating, once I know how to get there, I can go there any time I like. And so I've learned to relax. I've learned to let go." And if we harken back to something Dr. Fred used to do, which I always loved, Dr. Fred would talk about something he called his worry jar. His prescription, which I'll offer today, is to set up an empty jar someplace with little pieces of paper, and every time we get anxious or we start to worry, for those of us who like technology, maybe set up a space in in an app somewhere where we can just type in something we're anxious about or worry about, and then let it go and make an appointment with yourself one day each week at a certain time to go sit down and worry and have anxiety about it. And you're giggling, some of you are giggling because here's what happens in that process. Here's why I always love that process. Number one, we're setting up a routine for ourselves to feel the anxiety, to acknowledge it by, I'm so worried about Jim today. Well, he's sitting right here in the front row. What's he got going on there, you know? And I'm putting it aside. I'll worry about that later. Because we know it never works. Holmes used to basically say, worry is misplaced faith. So it doesn't work for us worry never works for us. Did I say that out loud? Worry never ever works for us, right? It doesn't work. It's not a, an effective tool. So we set it aside. Anx- oh, I'm so anxious about that test I have to take. Set it aside. And then the time comes for the appointment. Just imagine you get the little jar out or you open that. Now, okay, let's worry. It's not there in the moment, very likely. And so... It allows us to get present. It allows us to get present and to do what I'm talking about, which is to feel our strength in the now moment. So being still and setting aside our worries in a routine that can serve and support us. And the last one is the heart, having a healthy heart, listening to the heart. The heart is the doorway to love, to God, to source, to the deepest truth of our being, And letting love lead the way is a huge part of our living in the most effective way. So part of our spiritual checkup has to be to ask ourselves on a regular basis, but especially today, is there anyone that I've put out of my heart today? And whether it's people I know personally or people in the public that I don't know, We can stand together and and not agree with everyone's perspective on life and still not put people out of our heart. Dr. King was a great example of that, taking the principles of nonviolence articulated by Mahatma Gandhi and continuing to use them in the civil rights movement, continuing to stand in the face of some of the most challenging situations during those times and some that continue today and being willing to call for those who supported the efforts to do so in nonviolence and to remember that love is the way, that hatred and putting people out of our hearts and those negative critical words that we feel we must speak that are filled with such anger and such uh, disconnect do not serve us on our spiritual journey. So part of our spiritual checkup on an ongoing basis has to be the willingness to get connected with our hearts, to speak from our hearts to the people who are in our lives, whom we love and cherish, and to let our heart lead the way as we make decisions. What would love do here? How would love respond here? And especially to be willing to be a forgiving human being. As Reverend Millie read in that beautiful quote from Dr. King, about loving and loving our enemy and moving forward and forgiving and letting go. Forgiveness is taught in every major religion and faith tradition, I think, because the human heart resonates with an understanding that it is something we must do to free ourselves from our our anxiety-producing concepts of pain and suffering and to let go and to move forward and to feel ourselves energized by the freedom that comes as we forgive and let go. In our classes that we teach here, One of the key things that we talk about is the ability to forgive, is teaching people how to forgive. And I have so many stories of watching this occur, but one of the most profound ones was in my former center at New Vision Center in Scottsdale when I was teaching the Beyond Limits class. And there was a woman in the class who had been estranged from her grown daughter, and they hadn't spoken for three years. And mostly the daughter had initiated the estrangement and the mother, her heart was just broken about it and she talked about it in the class on forgiveness and we talked about forgiveness and we did a process and the mother worked on forgiving herself for the things that she felt that she had done that may have impacted her daughter in a negative way. And she wor- we worked on her forgiving her daughter. Everyone that night worked on self-forgiveness and forgiveness of others. And as the class ended, people were gathered in the lobby and saying goodnight to each other, and I was talking to students. And she came, the mother came up to me, and her eyes were wide, and she said, you'll never believe what happened. She said, as soon as class was over, my cell phone rang, and I picked it up, and it was my daughter calling to say, Mom, can we please reconcile and get past this? And she said yes. And they began to have a whole new relationship with one another. And that was touching in and of itself, but it was even more touching because three years later, that mother passed away unexpectedly. And it was so wonderful to know that she and her daughter had reunited. So forgiveness isn't just a nice thing we do, it's an energetic thing. I saw it that night. It's an energy that changes our lives, that changes the energy between people. It is the work of love. And so when we open the doorways to people to say, hey, come in and learn, come to this class, come to this group, come to this workshop, it's because we know that walking together is part of the prescription that helps us heal ourselves and heal our world. And so we invite ourselves to let go, to stand in love, to stand in joy, to heal ourselves, and to check in regularly on ourselves with regards to these things, recognizing that for the rest of our lives, we're going to be able to do this holy, sacred work together. I'd like to close today with a beautiful poem from my favorite poet, Hafiz. Shelly Sheets posted this on uh, her Facebook page this past week. I thank Shelly for posting it because it speaks to me and it speaks to this message today. Hafiz tells us, I sometimes forget that I was created for joy. My mind is too busy, my heart is too heavy for me to remember that I've been called to dance, the sacred dance of life. I was created to smile, to love, to be lifted up and to lift others up. Oh, sacred one, untangle my feet from all that ensnares. Free my soul that we might dance and that our dancing might be contagious. This is our prayer. As we go within now, I invite us to deepen into that prayerfulness and recognize and be in this beautiful space of love and light. To own that there is a power and a force in this universe for good. And that power, that force, is everywhere present. And it is right here, right now. It is love. It is joy. It is peace beyond measure. It is a truth that we touch into and that we can feel and we can sense. It is a tangible presence that we can feel and sense as we solve any issue or problem in our life or in our world, because we are made from that same substance. We are absolutely energized by the divine, dancing the dance, the joyful dance of life, of love. And today, as we have gathered together, being motivated to be in this space and willingness to dance that dance, I invite us to surrender that which no longer serves us, to allow this spiritual checkup today to inform us, to uplift us, to inspire us into new heights of living, to letting go of pain and suffering, to speaking our truth where we need to speak up, to releasing anxiety and worry from our life and to step more deeply into love and forgiveness, to feel the call of these things and so much more upon our soul and to recognize that we are invited into sacred holy community right here and right now and that as we pray this prayer for ourselves, we pray it for everyone in this room. We extend the energy and the acceptance and the affirmation of all this good and so much more for those who are right here at Mile High Church, for those who are watching online right here now live with us or at any time in the future, for all beings everywhere. We pray a prayer of love and light and joy and peace. We pray this prayer because we know this is the ultimate truth of us. As we walk through this life, we stand witness to it as the truth below the surface, as the truth that penetrates our hearts, as the truth that comes out of our mouth as we speak our words, as the truth of our thoughts. For we know we are blessed, we are love, we are light, we are love, we are light. And so in loving recognition of this truth, I simply give thanks and release this prayer now into the action of that law that makes it so. I know that I can let go and let it be and that these words are made manifest right here and right now. And so I do that. And it is done. Thank you, life. And so it is. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Mile High Church podcast. This podcast is made possible by the generous contributions from listeners like you. To make a donation, please visit milehighchurch.org.